Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Uh, hello everyone and welcome to the Stem Cell at Lunch Digested. I am Hanin Asahli and I am a PhD student at Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine here at King's College London. So today we have Dr. Carla Mollis from University in Cambridge and soon she will be joining Randall Centres for Cells and Molecular Biophysics here at King's College London. Uh, welcome Carla, I'm very excited to be talking to you today and I would take this opportunity to thank you for the interesting talk today, this afternoon at the seminar. Oh, thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. So to start off, could you give us a sense um, of your background and your career path? Right. So I started, so I studied university at Imperial College uh, and I did basically a very hardcore biochemistry degree. So it was all about molecules and molecules and molecules, structural biology. But I started to become more interested in cells the longer I went. And basically, I, for my PhD, I decided I really wanted to study with cells, in particular stem cells, because I was really fascinated by embryonic development. So I basically joined the lab of Austin Smith uh, to really look at how, at early embryonic differentiation, so really to try to understand how mouse embryonic stem cells decide what they want to do, how do they, what sort of cell type they want to give rise to, and so on. So after my PhD, I realized I really wanted to understand a bit more about embryology, uh, and that was the opportunity to work with Jenna Nichols, also the University of Cambridge. So yeah, really the idea of understanding more how the embryo works, uh, so what all the stem cells that we were using were actually modeling, basically. And finally, I think from that work, basically, started to realize that, you know, there was the possibility of starting to apply more physics tools in order to understand biology. So I started basically collaborating and working together with Kevin Chaloux at the Stem Cell Institute. And with him, we're basically working on really understanding cell state transitions, trying to apply some of the principles borrowed from physics to yeah, understand how cells basically rewire their identity. Interesting. So you studied biochemistry and then you shifted to the stem cell biology and embryology. So how did you get interested in this field? Why did you change? Yeah, so basically we had, as part of our elective modules on the last year, uh, I did one on developmental biology, and that was mostly about Drosophila genetics. But I think we had one lecture maybe on embryonic stem cells. And so I first learned about, you know, this amazing cell type that could give rise to, you know, all the different cell types of the body that could, uh, you know, form this incredible variety that you could inject them back into an embryo and they could, again, effectively re-enter normal development. So I really became fascinated by this idea and I really wanted to understand how is it that cells really are able to, you know, carry out this amazing potential to give rise of all of these different cell types. So I think that was really what, what really motivated me and pushed me to, to try to, to get into this field. Great. So could you give us a summary about your research and your main interest in the field, uh, especially now where you will be starting at the Randall Center at King's? Yeah, so my main interest is really understanding how cells undergo transitions. So I guess it's easier to understand almost thinking about an example. You know, we have a stem cell 
which ten, which differentiates to give rise to some sort of differentiated progeny. What I'm really interested in understanding is how does that process happen? How does a cell, how does a stem cell slowly change or drastically change to become a differentiated cell? Is this a continuous process when the cells basically gradually change properties? Uh, or is it discrete process and the cells undergo kind of an abrupt transition so that all of a sudden all of this property changes? So I'm really interested about how, you know, also signaling pathways really direct this kind of change in cell state. Fascinating. So would you mind explaining briefly to the general audience what's the difference between the naive and prime state and the cell state? Yeah, so a lot of my work before has been into trying to identify cell states. Uh, so naive and even formative and prime refer to different cell states of pluripotency. So pluripotency refers to the ability of cells to give rise to all of the different cell types of the that form an embryo, that form an adult. And in the embryo, this uh, pluripotency lasts for a fairly long window of time. But what we discovered over time is that there are different effectively flavors of pluripotency. So at the very beginning, we have what we call naive pluripotency, and this is the state that undifferentiated mouse embryonic stem cells are in. Uh, this cells, these cells are effectively shielded from signals. Even if you give signals to the cells that say, you know, differentiate, become a neuron, these cells really ignore them. These cells cannot directly respond to the signals. Instead, they really have to transition to this other state, which we term formative. So once the cells reach a formative state, you can give them the signals and they respond immediately. And importantly, it's these formative cells that have the ability to give rise to the germline. So all of the precursors of basically a sperm and egg and so on. Um, this competence, we think, really exists only over a very short window of time. And this competence really happens in this formative state. The cells can then progress further to get to a prime state of prepotency. And this is when all the signals are basically already active. So the cells are ready under the influence of signals that will push them towards, let's say, neurons or cardiac or so on. So they're ready as cells start to acquire some bias. And by acquiring bias, they also lose some competence. So again, in particular, the ability to go towards this kind of germ cell lineage. So they're all basically different stages of uh, pluripotency. Thank you. This was very clear. Would you mind telling us what do you like the most about your work, especially your research that you're doing? And also, if you remember an exciting experiment. Yeah, so, I mean, of course, there's, there's lots of, I absolutely love what I'm doing. I love the science. I am incredibly fascinated by the questions. They do keep me up at night and, you know, trying to find new ways in order to address these questions. I find this incredibly exciting. As an area of research, what I also find really exciting is that it's incredibly interdisciplinary. So this really gives me the chance, you know, to talk to people who are doing hardcore embryology, to also quite a lot of physicists, for example. So it's allowed me really to interact with people who are doing uh, physics, modeling, computational biology, uh, bioinformatics. So I really, one of the things I love about this is, yeah, the ability, really the, the yeah, the ability to bring people together you know, they might come from incredibly different backgrounds, they might have different areas of expertise, and yet they're fascinated by similar questions. And each of them can bring a slightly different approach uh, to tackling these questions. So I think that's something that I find really exciting. And in terms of, yeah, in terms of experiments, yeah, lots. I don't know, sometimes the more simple experiments just give you, you know, nice, clean results. And it's, uh, those are the experiments that you really aim for. 
Yeah, true. I agree. Nice. So what do you think are the biggest challenges in the field? So there's quite a few. So if we think about the fields of kind of cell state transitions, differentiation, trajectories, at the moment it is an incredibly popular field. And it's a field which is expanding a lot, mostly thanks to kind of huge advances of single cell RNA sequencing. That has allowed us, for example, to look at systems such as human embryonic development, which before were really not accessible and we knew very little about. I think really the challenge now is going beyond kind of just mapping cell states, mapping identities to basically determining, okay, how is this process regulated? What are the actual cell states? How do we, how does a cell effectively interpret and make sense of all of these genes which are changing, all of these proteins, chromatin um, modification which are happening in order to bring about what really matters, which is what the cell can do and cannot do, you know, to really determine, you know, cellular potential, whether a cell is committed to a particular fate or whether it's still plastic and can decide across multiple fates, whether it can go back, you know, to a previous state or not. So I think really the challenge now is figuring out, you know, going beyond just a simple observation as to to understand how all these levels of regulation come together. So based on your experience, what is your career advice for people, especially PhD students who are nearly to finish their PhD and pursue a career in the scientific research? Right. So this is always tricky, right? Because your own experiences don't necessarily translate to, you know, the path that might be right or good for others. You know, if you if you have ambitions to basically, you know, stay in science, stay in academic academic science, my advice is always to, you know, try to think about the skills you want, the sort of research that you want to be doing. And skills can be something, for example, gain experience in a particular system. Are you, for example, interested in understanding more about how chick development works and how that could, you know, help further your own interest? Is there someone who's doing, you know, uh, has a very cool technique that you think would be awesome to apply to your own question? Or, you know, also, is there someone there working on a really, really cool experimental system that you think would be great and, you know, it could have many possible interesting applications? So... I think is about, yeah, thinking a bit about the future, about, you know, yeah, what sort of things you want to learn, really, and really finding, I think actually getting a good mentor, having a supervisor with which you have a good relationship in order to develop projects, develop the science forward. I think that's, that's really important. Well, at least in my experience, it has made a, it's been incredibly beneficial and made a huge difference. Thanks. Yeah, and I hope the PhD student who listened to this could use uh, your advice. So at the end, uh, thank you so much for joining me today uh, for the podcast. And it's been a pleasure. Thank you. No, thank you guys very much for having me.